This episode of Unsalvageable is brought to you by Biker's Edge. Folks, it's the best time of the year, and that's not just because of the NBA playoffs. It's also bike season. And after the winter we just had, we all went through it. I know if you're like me, you're jonesing to get outside and finally ride your bike. And there's no better way to get geared up and ready for the trails than by stopping into the Biker's Edge in Kaysville, Utah. Right now, all of their remaining 2022 bikes are 20 to 25% off, which in the bike world is a decent chunk of change. Plus, Santa Cruz, Rocky Mountain Factory sales are going on too with unbeatable deals on some of the best bikes on the market. Now, I talk about bikes a lot. I'm pretty bike obsessed. Outside of basketball, it's my favorite thing in the world. I've owned a lot of bikes. I've been to a lot of bike shops. I can confidently say Biker's Edge is the best bike shop I've ever been to, hands down. It's a full service shop that has everything you need. It's not just bikes, they've got all the gear you need, uh, all the hydration, helmet, shoes, the whole nine yards. They also, again, full service shop, which means you can get your bike tuned, you can get it repaired, you can get it looked at. Uh, they also carry the best bikes on the market. That includes Santa Cruz, Rocky Mountain, Ibis, Yeti, Giant, Orbea, Norco, etc. And that includes road bikes, gravel bikes, mountain bikes, e-bikes, kids bikes. I'm actually going to go in a couple weeks and buy my kid a new bike and I'm going to Biker's Edge. And if you're unsure what to buy, they've got a YouTube channel where they do in-depth reviews on nearly all of their bikes. So you can see a professional ride the bike, answer your questions about how it handles, who it's for. And if that's not enough, you can go in, talk to one of their staff, They'll pick your brain, they'll measure you, see what size of bike you are, what kind of riding you do. They can recommend a bike and then you can go out and demo that bike before you buy, which I cannot recommend enough. So whether you're a seasoned rider or like Greg, or you're just starting out, or you're like me and you just have a road bike or a city bike, Biker's Edge has everything you need to make the most of your time on the road or the trail. So come visit them today and see why they're the ultimate destination for Utah bikers. Shall we just, you know, do the thing that we do? Hello, I'm back. It's number one for jazz, and I did uh, survive, and the f*** you, Putin. Can you just let me talk for a second? (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't, because that's my job is to cut you off. (laughs) In traffic, when we're talking. No, I'm sorry. Absolutely not. So here's the thing about the playoffs. And the three, and, two, and one. One and six. <laughs> Good intro. Hello. Hello, hello and welcome hello. to Unsalvageable. <laughs> oh, damn it. Welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah Jazz podcast with me, Sarah Todd Jazz, beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, how are your DMs looking? Uh, Sarah, may I have your consent to speak? (laughs) Yeah, you may. My DMs are always a shit show. Uh, Welcome to the club. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that yours are much worse than mine. You have way more followers. Like you're much more prominent. There's a lot more. You sexual. are the you are the sports writer of the year. Much more sexual. I've been married. I 
I'm I'm going on my ninth wedding anniversary in a few months. Like I've been out the game for a hot minute. I'm also a guy, and there's just like there's that whole element. Oh, sorry. Is it my turn to talk now? <laughs> yes, that's usually how conversations go. <laughs> but here's the, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I'm. <laughs> This is how podcasting works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg got a DM. Uh, I mean, I get well, DMs I just... for like, can you stop burping, please? And Greg gets DMs like, can you please allow Sarah to burp? <laughs> Let women speak. Uh, I love it so much. This is how conversations work. You guys. I'm sorry. I did a no growth. This is how they work. We I did an imperialism. Over each other. <laughs> uh, anyway. I did. I don't. How did that? I forgot how that tweet goes, but it was it was great. Um, anyway, I am uh, reflecting and I'm learning and I'm growing. And you know, I have a, I have a meeting with my therapist a week from today. Oh God! No, we're going to talk shit. about it. No, we're going to talk about it. No, yes. you, no, you're not. No one gives a. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to talk now. So, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. I don't know when I'm supposed to talk. How would I know if my boobs get in the way all the time? That's well, because you have a tiny girl bird brain. Uh, anyways, all that to say, Greg got some DM from somebody complaining that he interrupts me, and guess what? I don't care. Because I don't notice. I'm not here to platform women. <laughs> we are the worst. I'm here to get these takes off. Yeah, get these takes off. Get out. Yeah. <sighs> Congratulations to Walker Kessler. Our sweet, sweet baby boy. All rookie first team. Well deserved. Absolutely. Had a great season. Incredible season. A couple of numbers here. 74 games, averaged 9.2 points on 72% from the field. 8.4 rebounds, 2.3 blocks in those 92 games. 2.3 blocks led all rookies and was fourth among NBA players for the season. After the All-Star game, he averaged 12.4 points, 73.6% shooting average, 10.8 10.8 rebounds, 3.3 blocks per game. That's post-All-Star that, break. That's the most blocks per game in the NBA during that time. Is that good? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Kid's good. Yep. What a steal. Eighth rookie in NBA history to record at least four games with seven or more blocks in a single season. Uh, the first to do it since Tim Duncan. Future's bright. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty elite company there. <laughs> Yeah, the the other players on that list, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning, Manute Bull, Hakeem Olajuwon, Mark Eaton, Terry Tyler. Decent. You know, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh congratulations to him. Are we little are we surprised that Ochai didn't get more votes? Personally, no, simply because he was such a late bloomer. Yeah. You know, had he come on like right off the rip and played like he did once he entered the rotation, he absolutely would have made an all rookie team, but 
it was yeah. a little like a little too little too late kind of thing. And I think that part of that is by no fault of his own, right? Sure. Like Will Hardy was pretty intentional about the path that he wanted Ochai to take, and it was going to mm-hmm. be different than Walker. And he wanted him to spend some time in the G League, get some more reps, kind of learn to play with his own strength. Yeah. And clearly, it was a smart path to follow because of the way that Ochai progressed throughout the season. Um, Hard to argue. Who, whomst are we to say that if? Ochai would have just kind of been thrown into the thick of things that he actually would have fared as well. Maybe he has more hiccups. Maybe the growing pains are more difficult. You know, maybe he does flash onto the scene sooner and makes an all rookie team, but this path worked really well for him. And so you're right. He's a little bit of a late bloomer and that was partly due to how the jazz used him, but uh, making an all rookie team is, is nothing if you're kind of looking like you're going to be maybe a future all-star. Yeah, like ultimately it doesn't really matter. Sure, it's cool to win the award, but in the grand scheme of things, do I think that it's going to really affect Ochai moving forward? Like is his confidence going to be so shattered that he didn't make uh, an all-NBA team or an all-rookie team that he's not going to produce next year? Absolutely not. Like would have been cool to see, but, you know, it didn't happen. Happened for Walker Kessler, so congratulations. Way to go. All NBA teams are going to be announced tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday. And I think preemptively we can say congratulations to Lowry Markinen. Hell of a season. Hell well of deserved. Season. Yeah, absolutely. You I balled mean, out, kid. It's funny because uh, I think that he accomplished so many of his like personal goals this season that he's really going to have to recalibrate kind of his motivations maybe, which I think is going to be interesting for the next couple of seasons. That's because he's talked about it multiple times over the last few years. Like at when he was in Chicago, he talked about it when he was in Cleveland, he talked about it. He was like, I want to be an all-star. And like, that was a huge motivating factor for him. And so now he was an all-star starter. He's going to be on an all NBA team. And like, I think MVP goals are pretty lofty. Title mm-hmm. goals are always there for every player. That sure. doesn't really change, you know? And so it. I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, how he motivates himself. Yeah. Do you think, just, you know, shooting the here, uh, do you think the motivation is, well, people have had fluke seasons before? Is the motivation being, like, can I silence the doubters and prove that this wasn't a fluke and that I really am this dude moving forward. And this is like, this is who I am for the X number of years. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not just doubters, but like some people that are really rational, like Danny age and Justin Zanuck, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's one of their thoughts is like, yeah, Lowry and Walker had great seasons. Do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Which like, I think that should that should be the motivation moving forward. Like you had yeah. a great season. A lot of people have great one-off seasons. Yep. You know, a lot of people make one all-star game. Can Lowry have a repeat performance? Can he actually take another step and be even better? Lest we not forget TJ Warren in the bubble year. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He was like a goat. He was so good. And then he wasn't. Right. So I I think repeating success has got to be 
one of the top priorities and not that's not just for like I mean it's a good motivator because it can't just be like a motivating factor for like oh I want to prove people wrong but like he's gonna have a contract in a couple of years like he's got to prove that he's that guy right so interesting to to think future wise um really excited for him though next time we record we're going to be like we'll know who the draft pick is for the jazz because Mm -hmm. the draft lottery is happening on the 16th and some sad news um go ahead greg Uh, yeah, sorry guys, I'm not doing the draft thing because my wife got us concert tickets and if I move, or and if I, I cancel on her, well then, um, I'm going to have to start charging you for this podcast because I don't know if you know, but divorces are very expensive. She bought she bought concert tickets to go and see her favorite band and he's going to go. So I'm, I'm going to go. So here's what we're going to do, folks. As my way of making it up to you, I've been a bad father in this. I've been absentee. Uh, I will make sure that we all get together for the actual draft. That's June 22nd. June 22nd. I'm in town. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Are you just learning that? <laughs> no. I Listen, I have three back-to-back trips starting on the 20th of May. Yeah. I have Nashville, then I'm going down to St. George with my family for Memorial Day weekend, and then I am going to the Oregon coast with the wife and the kid. He's just uh, a busy guy with a nice life, you guys. I I mean, I, I do a podcast with Kyle. We, I know. <laughs> it's eventually supposed to, it's, it's eventually going to rub off. The guy takes a vacation every week, and we absolutely love him for it. He always posts the prettiest pictures, so I can't be mad at him. He's such a sweet boy, too. He really is. Shouts to Kyle. Kyle. We love him. Um, Yeah, so no draft draft lottery watch party, but we will make sure to put something together for the actual draft. But all that being said, the next episode you hear, we're going to be talking about exactly which pick the Jazz are going to have. And I'm going to be in Chicago for the lottery uh, I'm going to be there for the combine. So I'll be recording from there and it's going to be a good time. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see what players actually show up. There's all these rumors about some of the top guys actually coming to the combine. And so there was a list released uh-huh. earlier, I think last week about some of the guys coming, but those preliminary lists are always preliminary, you know? Um, but I'm just, this whole this whole draft process is going to be so interesting because as we've said on multiple episodes now like we really don't know which way this is going to go we're right. pretty sure the jazz will use their lottery pick but outside of that like who knows what's going to happen it could just be wild just just for shits and giggles yeah and because i know that you're close to the team um What's your overall vibe of what the Jazz are going to do? I know there are rumors. There have been rumors about them possibly, like, you know, the likelihood is that they get a lower lottery pick somewhere around like nine or 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think there's any validity to the rumors of them possibly moving up to try to get somebody they have their eye on, like 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 a scoot or like another premier lottery pick in this draft? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a possibility. I think the problem is, is like, until we know what the draft lottery is, like, until we know what the positions are, because, like, for example, no one's giving up Victor. No. That's that's how the question. 
uh, if Scoot goes to Orlando, they won't give him up because he's perfect. Like he's exactly what they need. And so it depends on like which team gets number two. I yeah. Think. Like hypothetically, let's say Detroit gets the second pick. Right. And then conundrum, do you go with Scoot or do you go with Cade Cunningham? Or do you just try to do it both because they're so yeah. good? You know, it's like that. It's really hard. Ulti- and- yeah, because ultimately talent wins out. And Scoot is so good. He's so good. Um, I'm so excited to watch that kid next year. Honestly, if it wasn't Victor, Scoot would be a consensus number one pick in any other draft. Yeah. Um, which is uh, – that's that's got to be disappointing. It's like being Scoot, right? And being like, God, this just – this French guy wasn't around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the possibilities I think are really endless. I think in general, I don't know how much of the Jazz's draft capital they would want to give up in order to move up, right? Right. Because uh, once you get out of kind of number one and number two, uh, the playing field evens a little bit more. And I still think you can get good talent if you stick around eight, nine, ten. I Sure. I wonder how much better the talent is if you're – and some of the th- – People that are being projected to be kind of, you know, numbers three, four, five, kind of in that area. I don't really know. Like, and there's always so many question marks. And so I think you can just go best possible talent if you get to eight, nine, ten ish. Yeah. Um, and then even if you kind of fall down from there, there's still going to be great guys. Um 12, 13, 14, and the Jazz are going to have 16, right? And so there's there's a lot of possibilities and there's still a lot of good talent. I think that yeah. I think that what's probably more probable is that the Jazz end up packaging maybe their other first round picks. Uh-huh. Um I could see that happening. And I'm not like reporting this or anything. It's just kind of imagining the Sixers and Wolves picks, correct? Right. Because like they already have such a strong young, a strong young core. So like, uh-huh. I'm thinking about, I'm in my mind. What's happening is I'm I'm looking at the roster and looking at what the Jazz have, and so you're starting Walker, Ochai, maybe Jordan Clarkson, um, whatever your lottery pick is, probably, and then Lowry, and so like are you going to want another rookie kind of in that starting lineup? Or are you looking to package those and maybe like trade them for something else that you see that could be more veteran? Uh, maybe uh-huh. you have a couple years under their belt, maybe have recently had some playoff experience, something like that. Like I'm, I'm thinking about building out the team and, and I know that like the jazz's front office has, you know, looked around the league and seen teams like, like Orlando or like Detroit or even more so like Houston. And like when there's too much youth, there's too much confusion. There's no direction. Yeah. You get Houston. Exactly. And so, and, and the jazz are supremely aware and, and know that they don't want to end up in that kind of a situation. And so it's hard for me to imagine them just kind of filling out the roster with draft picks. Right. And so, that's the reason why I say like I can imagine them packaging something and if you're going to package something and keep something I'd want to keep the top pick. Sure. Yeah, so. I'm I'm in that same boat as you and like lest we forget that the Jazz were a few games outside of making the playoffs. 
Right. And it's hard for me to believe that like Danny and Justin and Will and the rest of the guys in the front office are looking at that and be like, you know, I think we should take a step back. Yeah. That's not happening. I think, you know, we really want to like spend next season developing again. Like, no, I think this is a team that showed so much promise and is so much so further ahead of the curve than, than we thought they were. And with how Lowry and Walker and Ochai and all these guys played last season, that I think there's a real urgency to get back into contention. Yeah, and, and I think the way that the Jazz front office kind of talked about it a little bit, like in their exit interviews, like they're trying really hard to temper expectations and like they... <laughs> Yeah, Justin Zanuck was really intentional with saying, like, Shut up. hey, I know everyone thinks, you know, like, oh, the the rebuild timeline has been fast forwarded and like everything's been expedited. But like we're we're taking our time. We're being really deliberate. Listen, you can say all of that. All you want to win. That's the whole point of being in this league. Yeah, what are you going to do? Like waste Lowry in his prime? You're going to waste a guy. Yeah. Waste a guy's prime who just put up the exact same numbers as Dirk did in his 2006 MVP season. Right. Come on. The defense rests your honor. There's no reason right now. Like I, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that could tell you a good reason that the jazz shouldn't try to win, which is the way that a team is able to see what else they need. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying the jazz are going to compete for a title next year or even the year after that. But, like, in order to find out, like, the holes and gaps in the roster, you can't just kind of go through the season the way they did last year. You have to actually go for it because then you have to – that's how you see where the needs are. Right. And there's a huge – there's a distinct difference between winning in the regular season and winning in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And we know which one is way more important. Yeah. The Cleveland Cavaliers were a perfect example of that this season. They won 50-plus games this year and got their heads kicked in by the Knicks in the first round. Kings which, are a great example, too. Kings, yeah. Like, I'm hoping so bad that Ochai was watching Keegan Murray. Yeah. Because, like, Keegan had some incredible moments in the playoffs, but you could tell he was not prepared for the physicality of the sure. playoffs. He just – he there is a different type of basketball you have to play. And so I'm hoping that Ochai watched that and was like, oh, I see what went wrong there. Mm-hmm. Should we talk some playoffs? Let's talk playoffs. It's, they've been so good. Jimmy Butler, man. What did I say? Can I just – Yeah. Can we it. just crank up the dashboard confessionals? <laughs> vindicated. Your, your boy's vindicated. What? Did, what? Can you just remind the listeners what I said last week? Your hair is everywhere. No, I'm sorry. That's just another dashboard. <laughs> my hair is my hair is a, a, a mess. Um, Jimmy smelled blood. Yeah, he saw. We saw him, the way that he, he was smiling. He the he lost a playoff game, and he was nodding and smiling like he was Hannibal f-ing Lecter. He knew it. <laughs> yeah, and then he came in last game, and they just absolutely took the Knicks soul. That was kind of a, that was a really interesting game where they, I didn't feel like the score was indicative of the ass kicking that the heat gave to the Knicks. True. That game was much closer vibes wise to like a 25 point blowout than it was like, I mean, I think they won by like, I don't know, 10 or 12 points or something like that. Right. But man, I mean, Julius Randle said it. Yeah. He straight up said they wanted it more. Yeah. It's just, it's over. 
It's and over. it was, it was after, in my opinion, the first game. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I just like, I believe in Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy's a man. Yeah. Yeah. He is. is a dog. All right. So tonight, so by the time that you hear this episode, we are going to have uh game five of both the Knicks and the Lakers series. Greg, do you think that the Knicks or the Lakers are going to lose those games? Cause these are, these are, elimination games like i think the knicks are gonna lose i think it's heat and five i think that last game was just such a drubbing and especially after like you know jalen brunson's comments and julius randall's comments after those games like it feels very over that yeah. game four felt like a nail in the coffin and you know what if, if the knicks do go ahead and, and win a uh, game five it's over in six it's the same way i feel about the lakers it certainly wouldn't surprise me if like the warriors uh, ended up winning Winning. this next game you know with steph legitimately anything is possible the guy is capable of dropping 50 in a playoff game i do feel like this series is over though and it like it kind of feels like the the end of the warriors run a little bit i think I, I mean, mean I, I agree that, I mean, I think the Heat Knicks series is over. If if the Knicks somehow come in and grab Game Five, like, okay, whatever. They're not. Like, they're not coming back from three. I don't world. expect for them to. I fully expect for the Heat to win tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the Lakers are concerned, I think the Lakers are going to win the series. But like, I would be way less shocked if the Warriors won a game than the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Yeah, we're we're in the same boat. The absolute funniest thing that could happen, though. Is the Warriors coming back and taking from three one against LeBron? Oh, I know yeah. that would be. I mean, NBA writers again, give them a raise. I'm. What's what I want is for like absolute peak best case scenario for the finals, and for me that means either Anthony Davis or Jokic versus Embiid. Mm-hmm. One of those. Or anybody versus Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, if that, Jimmy's is, Jimmy's in the finals, like block out my schedule. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah, I'm give me be- my give me a beer, give me a bowl of popcorn, and I am, and hopefully it goes seven so that I can watch all the games. Yeah, absolutely, and just, and just enjoy all of them, and just how fun. Just hypothetically, how fun would Jimmy versus Jokic be? Oh God, man. Do you mean Jimmy versus Bruce Brown? <laughs> yeah, that too. Dude, Bruce Brown is What a perfect incredible. addition. God, I just I love when the little guys get some shine, you know? And mm-hmm. so like the Lonnie Walker game for the Lakers. Incredible. That was so fun. I absolutely loved it. It reminded me like like Leon Poe when yeah. he had that game against the Lakers in what was it, the 2006 finals? Yep. I yeah, love I it. I love stuff like that. Me too. And so like have and the Lakers have had quite a few. So you've got the Austin Reeves I'm him game. You've got the Rui Hachimura basically all of a sudden becoming like an incredible addition to that team. Mm-hmm. Uh love the way that he's played the Lonnie Walker game. Bruce Brown with the Nuggets has been incredible. Um who else do we have? Uh, I mean there were others, and I've forgotten them. Max Struess has had some really nice games. 
for the Heat. Duncan Robinson is all of a sudden in the rotation again and playing I well. Know. Like, wild. Wild stuff. You know, there's been I a couple of like R.J. Barrett games where he played especially well, especially like closing out the Cavs. It's fun to watch. Yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Karis LeVert had some really good moments with mm-hmm. the Cavs. Uh, I just love when the little guys get their shine during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it's so much about the stars in the league and it's a star driven league and we all know that. Um, but, you know, find me literally any NBA player who's won a title who says that they can do it without a bench or without their role players. Like mm-hmm. no one, no one will say it because they're always important. And amen. W- where is Jordan Poole? Swiping right, <laughs> man. What a weird on the explore page on Instagram. War- the Warriors thing has been so weird, and to your point, but they've been like this all year, right? But to your point, like, what happens if they lose to the Lakers in this series? Like, is that the end? I mean, obviously, it's not like they're going to get rid of Steph or Clay, right? Or um, probably not Dre either. Probably, but like- they're all like they're not getting any younger. No, they certainly are. Steph's 35, Clay's 33, 34, Dre's 35. Like, usually that's when dynasties start coming to an end. I mean, Curry's making basically 50 million or upwards of 50 million and right. 60 million until 2026. Clay's under contract through next season, but. Yeah. That's that's interesting. And I think um, it's it's interesting watching the Warriors throughout this run cuz obviously they've been extremely top heavy with their stars. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when they had KD and, you know, Andre Iguodala was that like consummate role player and but they were always so deep. Even last year when they had Otto Porter and the rest of the guys on their on their bench, yeah, you know, this time and then, around it's basically like Kaminga, Gary Payton, Dante Moses Dino Moody, Shinzo, Moses Moody. Like it's, it is not what it's it not. Is. It's not the same bench. And like as good as the top level talent on the Warriors was, what really made them so dominant was how deep they were. Dude, this Jordan Poole contract. I'm looking at the. Oof. He makes twenty eight million dollars next year. Damn. He signed through twenty twenty six. 27. I mean, congrats on he had he had a hell of a run last year. He got paid. Congrats to him. But man, yikes. That does not look good right now. Sup, Rashard Lewis. (laughs) Uh I mean the the Warriors situation is a little bit more interesting than I thought it was because Mm -hmm. Clay Thompson, I mean, he's I mean, as it is right now, after next season, he would be just straight up unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Um Draymond Green has a player option for next season. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, what if they do lose to the Lakers in five? I mean, you have to think that there has to be changes, right? And, like, someone will pay Draymond. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. One of the like the best floor generals on both sides of the floor in the history of the game. Like he could easily get like a three year contract from someone else. Sure, absolutely. Weird man, I, it's not something I've thought about a lot until this literal moment. But the Warriors situation could get. It's really real, interesting. Real changey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, 
what other what other series? Uh, Sixers Celtics. Of course, yeah. What a what a performance by the MVP last last night, or was it two nights ago? I forgot. Anyway, the last the last game that they had just straight up made the Celtics quit in the fourth quarter. This second round, I think, has been so good. Like all of these, it, not necessarily that they've been competitive, but all of these series have been so good. Like the Knicks Heat, not a competitive series. Nobody believes in the Knicks. We all know that it's Jimmy that's going to win this, but it's so good fun jimmy <laughs> just and not only that but it's exceptionally good basketball it's an eight seed yeah i love it i love it mm-hmm. but going back to the uh the celtic sixers Six- series yeah. there are two storylines that are very very interesting to me one is this the end of the Celtics as we're seeing them? I mean, they were the preemptive favor going into the season. So deep. They got the sixth man of the year with Malcolm Brogdon. They look like they did not have a weakness. And right now, they don't look like they have an answer for Philadelphia's offense. And especially Joel Embiid, which I understand nobody's stopping Joel. Sure. But they look... I have a question. Yes, go ahead. I was talking about this last night. Mm-hmm. If the Celtics lose to the Sixers, is Joe Mazzulla going to get fired? I think you spell Joe Mazzulla's name M-I-S-S-O-U-L-A because that's where he's coaching next year. <laughs> like, you, this team was just in the finals. Mm-hmm. Plus Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. Yes. And they were running like such a finely tuned, well-oiled so machine. And the only thing that's other than Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, which are upgrades. <laughs> Wait, wasn't Derek White on the – no, he was he – was, was he there last year? Yeah, he was there last year. They got him at the trade deadline. Doesn't matter. But nonetheless, they got Malcolm Brogdon. The, like the one piece that everybody was talking about that the Celtics needed after losing to the Warriors in yep. the finals, they, they needed it. a second playmaker. They got They it. needed somebody off the bench. Not only did they get that, they got the sixth man of the year. And the, the, the criticism that Joe Mazzulla has had uh, for his – Game management. <laughs> um, it's just really difficult for me to see him getting through this one. Right. I just, I just thought of another question for you too. Yeah, go ahead. If let's say I've got one nostril that like won't stop running. That's that's par for the course for you. That annoys me every day man you're very right. drainy i'm t- constantly draining <laughs> lots of fluids just everywhere and i'm i'm draining i'm a draining person also yes i mean ev- i have to go take a nap after we we do this podcast every time all right what's this is why i don't allow you to speak because you know, <laughs> i can't listen to you ever i mean it, long spurts it just all right, it ruins me what's your question <laughs> if let's say the Celtics, the, the, the Philadelphia gets the Celtics out uh, in six games. Not only like is Joe Missoula gone, do they have to split up Tatum and Brown? Oh, man. Like where does where? Because I mean, obviously they're not going to get rid of Tatum unless they get some just absolutely out of this world, unprecedented uh, Rudy Gobert plus deal. But like. Does Jalen Brown find himself on a new team? 
I don't oh man. That's so hard just cuz like It's 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 fascinating to think about. They're so good. Like There are. I just like don't think that's the problem, right? Or do they run it back and they try like they get a they you know, let's say they get Nick Nurse. They see they let's say they get uh Budenholzer or something like that. Do you run it back and see if like a coach with some actual experience and like a guy who's won a title can do it again with this roster which should be able to be done because they are so deep and so good? I mean, if it's me, I run it back. Yeah. I, I, you've got to prove to me that the Jays and Marcus Smart are broken together before I get rid of it. Sure. I, I mean, I, like, I'm with you just for the record. Right. Cause at this point, I'm, I look at that situation and I'm like, no, they got to the finals. Mm-hmm. They can, they can get there. Yeah. Joe Mazzula didn't take them there. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think I'm in that camp, which yeah. like, we also might be kind of jumping the gun a little bit because yeah, if, if there's it. if there's one thing we know about Doc Rivers it's that he can blow a lead is that uh he doesn't get coffee because coffee is for closers and this man has lost something like 6 or 7 straight closeout games <laughs> so like it's interesting cuz it's like this might spell impending doom for the Celtics and major changes, but also like can Doc Rivers break okay. this curse? Yeah. Does he and get his coffee? Uh it's also a situation where like I'm I'm sure that a lot of the Philadelphia fans like a little bit of a double-edged sword because it's like you really want the Sixers to advance, but God, you want Doc Rivers fired so bad. I mean, I am I am Natalie and Bruglia torn right now. <laughs> uh, Lying yeah. naked on the floor. All right. What about Suns Nuggets? You have takes there? Yeah, Suns are cooked. They're not tough enough. And they they're they're not tough enough and they're not deep enough. And I think I have to give the Nuggets front office a hell of a lot of credit because the big knock on the Nuggets last year was they were too soft and they went out and they got Bruce Brown and KCP and that has really changed that entire team and they got some dogs and like that game last night was fun as hell. Also Aaron Gordon um just just playing so he's much been so good than I than I thought that he would. Play. He has been so good for the Nuggets all year, and like has been especially good for them in these playoffs. Like that has been a fantastic acquisition for them. We've all we've also talked about Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, uh, which his name is spelled Brown. I hate that. I hate it so much. It makes me want to scream. Yeah. Shut up with your stupid spelling. I have to deal with that so much as a Utah. You're telling me I have to do this, deal with this now as like a guy who's playing in Denver. No, your name is Braun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, they're just, I didn't expect for Bruce Brown and Christian Braun to be like dudes, such key contributors in the postseason. Yeah. And so I was looking at, Denver's roster and thinking like, well, they're not that deep. But like when you add those two guys, like they're pretty deep. They got and they got a squad. And like I think they have to be the favorite to make the finals. Oh yeah. I mean, they were the number one seed and they seem to be steamrolling in the playoffs. Jokic he's in such a zone. He is a Murray's in a zone too. Revelation. Yeah. Just enjoy greatness. 
Yeah. Who's ever listening to this podcast, watch Jokic play. He is a joy. There was one in particular that I saw where it was like a 5-4 pick and roll with like an Iverson pin. And like there's no other center in the league that's running that play. It's beautiful to watch. There's basketball cliches that get used all the time where we talk about like court vision, right? Or he's the best. And you talk about like, Oh guys who see the game two or three steps ahead of what's actually happening. Nikola Jokic is that dude. Speaking of which another one of those guys, did you see LeBron on that final play in game five where he called out what the, what the warriors were doing and and blew up the, uh, the final, the final shot. Yeah. So fun to watch. I I live for things like that. It just I I'm sitting here like shaking my head and like putting my hand on my head like I've got a headache or something because the guy has been in the NBA for 20 years. <laughs> it's 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 so it's so unbelievable to watch. I I I love it. And sure, like he's more deferential now and like he's not putting up exactly the numbers that he was before, but he's still Dropped twenty and twenty yeah. during the playoffs on uh, against the Grizzlies. Like he's still just like, oh, he only has thirty points a night. Like he's still this guy. Yeah, like for like, sure is is Anthony Davis the best player on the Lakers right now? Yes. Yeah. It, but like, if there was, let's just say hypothetically, there was an all playoff team. LeBron's on that team. Last night, there was the... At 38! Yeah. Last night, the the list was going around on Twitter because Jokic passed Wilt Chamberlain, uh, most triple-doubles by a center uh, during the playoffs. <sighs> Love it. But the list in like of total playoff triple-doubles, there's two guys at the top of that list who are 20-plus triple doubles ahead of everyone else mm-hmm. like i'm just gonna pull this up right now all right and one yeah. of one of whom is lebron james yeah you've got eight guys on this list four of them are tied with 10 playoff triple doubles one of them is Jokic. okay so four of them have 10 that's hell of an accomplishment that's huge that's unbelievable bird. Bird, rondo draymond green nikola Jokic. jason kidd has 11 russell Westbrook has 12 the next two guys on the list are LeBron James with 28 and Magic Johnson with 30. That's insane. Crazy, crazy. 28. At the pace that Jokic is going, which is incredible to already have had 10 playoff triple doubles, he's still, he'd have to play like 26 years or something to catch LeBron. <laughs> I mean, LeBron averaged the triple double in the finals. It's absolutely incredible what he like his career. The longer he plays, the more incredible it becomes. It's a joy, and he's gonna he's still gonna be putting up numbers when he's forty. Um, I guess my my only Suns Nuggets take is that um, I have been disappointed in Kevin Durant. Me too. I don't care about Chris Paul. No. In or out, I don't care because he was going to get injured anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? Right. Um, 
Booker has been amazing. I have I have nothing negative to say about Devin Booker, honestly. Devin Booker is so good and is quickly establishing himself as the best shooting guard in the league. Yeah. Incredible. He's awesome. But I Kevin Durant has needed to take over. Mm-hmm. Is he capable? Is is he that guy anymore? I don't know. And that's what I'm wondering is like, are we are we seeing at all the decline of Kevin Durant? And like that's probably a little hyperbolic, but like he's 34, 35. Yeah. That's that's what happens. And like, I mean, he came back from like incredible injuries. Mm-hmm. And like he has I mean, as as far as like scoring goes and like what he was able to do with the Warriors and stuff, like he's had an incredible career. But like I think that I expected a lot more of him. And I don't really know how to feel about that. Like, I don't know if I'm like disappointed that it didn't happen or if it just like makes me sad to not have seen the greatness that I thought Kevin Durant could do. Sure. Yeah. I'm in Uh, that same boat. It's really weird. Like I just, I, when we heard that the Suns were getting KD, I was like, good, good luck. Western conference. I was in the same boat. And now I'm like, does Booker really need KD? I think what we're seeing with them. And I think what I expect the Suns to do is, they know what they need to do, and they've got their two guys. Now it's a matter of retooling the roster around them because, I mean, they, they gave up Michael Bridges. They gave up Cam Johnson. Right, and that that's that's a huge part of it is because, like, when we were talking about depth, I was like, oh, well, like, the Nuggets and the Suns, they don't have any depth, but turns out the Nuggets do. The right. Suns don't. The Suns don't, yeah. Like, you're starting Tory Craig or Josh Okogie. Like, right. Fine guys if they were coming off your bench, but those aren't starter guys. And, like, I do expect the Suns – to make some moves and try to retool around those two because like, you know, Devin Booker's your alpha going forward. And even though he's aging, Kevin Durant's still Kevin Durant. And if he's your second option, holy smokes. You got to kick the rocks on uh, Chris Paul's done. Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Great career. You've been one of the greatest point guards of all time. Uh, You got to be put out to pasture guy. Sorry. You're old. I say that as a fellow old. Yeah. As an old, we are washed. Yeah. Accept it, man. Let it, let it, and like he's let the fun. washness wash over you. That's the thing is like, he's also not fun. You got someone like Devin Booker leading that team. Like Chris Paul is not the guy you put next to him. I think Chris Paul's never been fun. He's never been fun. I mean, he, there were times when he was more fun than this. Sure. He, I mean, Fun in the sense that he was like a maestro, right? But he's never had like a, an aesthetically pleasing style no, of basketball. But like, yeah, I just anyway, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like Chris Paul. Sons I mean, are cooked. I, yeah, Sons congrats to Denver. Goodbye. <laughs> Let's wrap it. Yeah, you guys know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe, download, do all of the things. You can follow me at NBA Sarah. You can follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. You can follow our producer Matt. If you are into that sort of thing, uh, read my stuff at Deseret.com because I've been grading all of the jazz players. They've been fun. And, You've done a great job. Uh, I've been going really, really in depth with every single player. So you can find those pretty easily. And that's it from us. Next time we talk to you, draft lottery, baby. 